Hello, everybody. How are you all? Welcome to the show. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here. This is Caesar Day, and I am Natalie Miller-Snell. Coming up. But for me, I was like, no, but I, I can't just turn a blind eye to this. I need to stand up for what's right. And so I started that, like calling out practices in my community. I had friends that had gone through so-called arranged marriages and been put under duress and been forced into a marriage. It's great to see the people that we have evacuated who have got to America and now getting into education, trying to get into jobs and trying to rebuild their lives. And now onto the show. Hello everyone, how are you all? Today I am joined by an absolutely, truly remarkable individual. She is an international human rights activist supporting victims and survivors of honour-based violence and cultural abuse. She has been campaigning for over 30 years, working across many demographics and alongside some of the world's largest organisations such as the UN, UN for Women, and European Parliament. She is also an ambassador and advisor for several charities and social groups and is a strong champion of women and is impacting and has impacted the lives of absolutely thousands. Please put your hands together for the truly remarkable Mandy Zanghira. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you so Do you know what, it is really a true privileged to be chatting to you and talk about it. I mean just listening to all of that and actually watching your your TED talks and your interviews and the, you know we've spoken on Clubhouse a bit yeah. before and that's how how we met. You are actually a remarkable individual and I know you've said before you know the applause really isn't what why you do this you're all about the cause but yeah. celebrate you because you that's amazing. Thank you I mean you know what it's it, it, you know what, I think when you find your passion and your calling in life, then you've never worked a day in your life. And I, I'm incredibly yeah, yeah. blessed and grateful to God for such an amazing life purpose. And actually, when people look at me and listen in and think, actually going around trying to support survivors and taking on battles, is that really your calling? And it certainly is for me, though. Yeah, it definitely strikes me. And and every time I've heard you speak, the root cause of it comes back to women and children and empowering young folk and, you know, just kind of ending ending the, the, the you know the violence but also as well empowering folk and bringing about change and standing up for those who don't have voices that that's certainly what comes across in terms of what it is that you're doing that's just you. beautiful right okay so well, for folk who are listening who aren't particularly or might not be familiar with your good self let's learn a little bit about you I like to get my my guests to talk a bit about you know where they've come from who they are and what's kind of informed them as well but helped them navigate it and get to finding purpose and calling because I know you're you're a you described yourself I've got it written down here as a British Asian woman you grew up in the UK but you mm. had your own challenges in that dynamic as well you referred yep. to being privileged but also not fitting in so please talk as much as you would like to and feel comfortable to be around that so no brilliant I mean I grew up in a, a lovely home with amazing extended family I had grandparents nearby I had aunts and uncles so it wasn't just my parents and my siblings so you know I was really really grew up in a great family home in the South Asian community and I grew up in the 70s and the 80s which was quite a difficult time for South Asian women because actually you were always sort of seen and not heard and actually I was brought up I think being the first grandchild the first child and everything else and a bit spoiled and I think you know I didn't quite look like anybody else because you know I had very fair skin I had green eyes I had almost ginger bloody hair really which was quite funny and um, you know and you you didn't look like 
your cousins or your siblings and other people. So you, you were always somewhat different and outside the bell curve. And it you can go two ways, can't it? It can either give you a really sense of strong self-worth and just accept who you are, or you could actually be like, um, you know, thinking, oh my God, I don't fit in. Well, how do I mm. fit in? What do I do? But as a, a young person, I think, you know, because I had such so much love around me and so many people, you know, you know, nurturing and, and really caring for me that it, you know, I grew up into a great sense of self-worth. And as I grew up, um, I was brought up as a Sikh and a Hindu and, you know, karma is a big part of our faith mm-hmm. and standing up for what's right. And especially with Sikhism, you know, it stands up for social justice. You always stand up for what's right. It doesn't matter standing up for equality and giving back. And which is called seva means, you know, giving back of service. Mm-hmm. So those things were always your values growing up. And as I um, sort of became 18, 19, I was working with people with disabilities and I had a friend that had a disability who was forced into a marriage. And me being quite young then was sort of saying, well, why is she going through this? Why has she been put through that? And, and you know, your own family, your, your, your friends and your relatives and everybody is saying it's none of our business. We don't interfere in other people's lives. And that's not just a salvation problem because you could have a neighbour mm. being back next door to you and you may not do something about it. Do you know what I mean? So people are like, oh, we don't, if we don't see it, we don't hear it. It's not our problem. Mm. We don't have to get involved. But for me, I was like, no, but I, I can't just turn a blind eye to this. I need to stand up for what's right. And so I started that, like calling out practices in my community. I had friends that had gone through so-called arranged marriages and been put under duress and been forced into a marriage. And I'm one of the founders of the UK Forced Marriage Unit. Yeah. But there were several survivors who were telling their stories. So, you know, for me, I wanted to stand up for people with disabilities, especially people with intellectual impairments, learning disabilities, who weren't able to even give consent to marriage. So, you know, I was always campaigning on the other side of this, really for people that were not having a voice. And I've always said that, you know, I've always wanted to be somebody that would help the helpless, be a voice for the voiceless by being selfless. And, you know, that is something that has been like my guide to help me through life for the last 30 years. Yeah, I love that. The voice for the voiceless and you know, helping those who are helpless. It's a beautiful way to articulate it. And you can hear the passion in your voice as well. I mean, it's really clear, actually, that you can recognise when something works quite well, but actually then when you see something that's not right, yeah. that one must say something about it because to, to turn a blind eye almost is, well, condoning can, it, isn't it? Listen, it's you can yeah. it, aren't you? A- a- absolutely. Now, you mentioned there you're a founder of the Force Marriage Unit, which is really quite remarkable. I really would love to, to learn a little bit more about that. But it's, it feels like you found purpose in your calling. You're standing up for other people and you're standing up to communities as well, which yeah. is brave. It's very courageous. So in and around that and, and how you founded the, 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 the unit, how do you find the confidence and the kind of just get on and do it to, to stand up and help folk and, and be their voice? I mean, I'm one of the founders. So there was like three or four okay. other individuals. There was um, Southall Black Sisters, Ikro and Khan and Ivana and, and, you know, and myself because I came in with a disability angle. So, you know, they were survivors and they were supporting South Asian women and Iranian women and uh, Middle Eastern women. And, you know, we came back, lobbied government. We were saying, look, you know, there's this issue in our community that goes on behind closed doors. And, you know, one of the things that I've always said to professionals, be very clear about protection and not political correctness. The mm. problem a lot of professionals, a lot of teachers, a lot of social workers, frontline staff will not call out abuse when they see it. They are too scared to be branded as a racist or being politically incorrect. 
And to me, um, you know, I guess um, from, it was like, no, hang on, this is a no-brainer. We cannot be turning a blind eye to this. This is nothing cultural about this. This is nothing honourable about abuse. You know, we need to call it out for what it is. And, you know, it took a lot of years of having meetings and lobbying and campaigning, raising issues. And, you know, people sometimes will say to you, oh, my God, you know, we don't want to be near Mandy because she's putting ideas in our women's heads and giving them thoughts <sighs> beyond the stations. And, you know, communities will say to you, um, you know, we don't want to hear from you. We, I get threats and things, you know, sadly, you have to use a different mailing address to where you live, you know. And and those are the, the risks that you carry. These are things that you have learned to to do and survive this for 30 years and you know and now more recently working enough you're doing the work in Afghanistan yeah. and oh, amazing amazing work that you're doing and I think you know for there I think I was involved at the beginning about this time last year so you know at the beginning of the year evacuating interpreters who were helping our troops so you know that was working we were on track and the government had their four five thousand people they wanted to bring out and we were on track but then the Taliban started building momentum and they were kind of seizing the country like a lightning bolt. And mm. there were women that I needed to get out who were campaigners who knew that they would be at great risk. So we were trying to get people out. We were getting people onto planes and we were. And then obviously on the 15th of August, things really changed. And obviously, you know, Kabul was captured and you saw the, the scenes yourself, yeah. people jumping onto planes and things. And, you know, for 14, 15 days, I don't even know. I mean, I managed to sleep on four hours of sleep. But you know what? I mean, I wasn't even doing that for 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 weeks and what I had to do was literally trying to get people out and we did you know I personally myself to date you know we got out 287,000 with my own wow. colleagues you know and then there's been other people that have taken out other people and you know we're kind of just short of a thousand and that this is more women feminist campaigners around the world American women Jewish women German women you know who have come together and Phyllis who's an 81 year old like author from America an absolute legend lived in Kabul herself and was captured in Kabul so she came on board and got really behind us and it, I was just so incredibly blessed with the, the, the amount of support that I've had around the world it's great to see the people that we have evacuated who have got to America and now getting into education trying to get into jobs and trying to rebuild their lives people in the UK who have come here sadly some of them are still in hotels but we are trying to get them English classes we're trying to get them online classes and I want people to thrive and not just survive. I want people yeah. to have the opportunities that I have had. And currently I've had to stop evacuating because we can't do that right now because it's very dark and dangerous in Afghanistan yeah. because of the weather. So, you know, we're currently changed our direction and we're doing food drops, medical supplies and trying to support the most vulnerable because people are starving. People are really desperate. And again, you know, for me, this was... Um, kind of you know I live a life of service and a life of you know I've always worked for the cause and never the applause and I think you know that's something that really drives me and it was a no-brainer and I had to step up and do it I wasn't expecting to be doing the work in Afghanistan till today I really mm. thought it was end in September the latest and I'm still here doing this and you know I get horrific stories every single day hundreds of people writing to me every week asking for help and I can't help everybody mm. I try my best but it it's really difficult and because like I need governments to step up and help as well and you know we've got a new variant and and government's yeah. priorities change sadly and Afghans in Afghanistan are not always going to be your priority 
I mean, it fills my soul with joy that you're, well, love, I suppose, and, and warmth that you're doing what you're doing. There's also the real heartache and the real, um, it hurts the struggle that folk have to go through. And when I listen to you, what you're saying there, I mean, we just talked a little bit before we started recording as well. There's two aspects that, that really, you know, really hit me, if you like. There's one, how do you manage to switch off your emotions with who you're dealing with? Because as you've just rightly said, you're unable to get everybody out all at the same time or all in one go or you know it takes time but then also how do you look after yourself because when you're hearing these stories and they're real stories real struggles that folk are going through how do you look after yourself yeah so how do you switch off and then also look after yourself so you don't burn out yeah I mean so that's something that I've had to learn to kind of meditate I do I walk a lot I love walking and um, I'm not a gym person I you know yeah, I've got two left feet. Um, but <laughs> the thing is, um, you know, yeah, you don't really want to see me in a Zumba class. But the thing is, it's about... Or me. Walk, <laughs> no, so, it's, you know, I know my limitations. And walking and, you know, clearing my head, meditating at night. And then the other thing is, you know what, I also believe in being incredibly authentic with people. And sometimes that people don't like that. But you know what, I'm kind of call a spade a spade I'm afraid and I don't pretend to be something I'm not and I'm also when I help people I would say look there's no promises or guarantees I'm trying my best and that is all I can do for you and I think they've seen that they can see the results but then what happens is a bit like the British Telegraph isn't it then people start sending messages and say look Mandy got me out she'll get you out and yeah. and the people we've got out there's doing the and they have WhatsApp groups for survival and Wow. You know, and now people are doing the same thing and people are writing to me, look, I need food, I need this. And, you know, so, you know, and you just have to learn to manage. And also what I have to do is almost like triage and look at actually what is the risk and what is the need. So sometimes mm -hmm. what I've had to do is say to somebody, well, look, actually, if you've got money to be buying the Internet and you can go onto Instagram and do these sorts of things, um, why are you not buying food? So, I, you know, I'm not scared yeah. to have blunt conversations. It's also about managing unrealistic expectations because yes. people think you're going to get them out. And one thing I've realized is that I can only take out the people who that, you know, who are judges, women, activists, campaigners, the LGBTI community, um, you know, the, the most at risk. Because as soon as you what I had learned in the last three months, especially, is as soon as you move somebody and they get onto a plane, there's another hundred people waiting in the place of that one person. Yeah. So you know what, you have to manage that. And I guess because in the past I've had dealings with supporting people in um, Iraq and um, Syria and stuff like that. So I guess because I have like learned lessons from the past as well, that actually this time I was able to really use that skill and that experience from the past and really bring the right team with you. And sadly, you know what, you're going to meet a lot of charlatans. There's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. There's a lot of people trying to make money out of this crisis. There's people in the West trying to do you know legal work or trying to do campaigning or trying to sell people a visa or trying to say they can do that and they're just exploiting people and I just think you know what this is absolutely disgusting and disgraceful mm. and we need to call it out for what it is because you know you it so it doesn't sit well with me but I think for me now is about empowering the women that have arrived yeah. making sure that they get real chances to rebuild their life and educate the men you know because the thing is I'm coming up against a lot of challenges with some of the men to say, oh, no, my wife just needs to get pregnant and have a baby. You know, she doesn't need to work. She doesn't need a job. And we're trying to say to them, you know, if you live in the West, in America, Britain, Canada or, or Germany, wherever you end up, 
you can't really survive on one salary unless you're on a really good salary. Do you know that trying to survive in the UK right now um, for somebody on a single salary of, say, 20 grand or 25,000, yeah. you know, the cost of living is incredibly high. And, you know, you just have to think about the host community, don't you? We hear people at food banks, we're seeing children, um, you know, getting one meal a day in the UK. So, yeah. you know, I'm very aware of like real social issues. And it's about trying to educate, change mindsets. And it's trying to show people that, you know, if you're going to come here, these are our values and you're welcome here, but you're not going to bring your out-of-date cultural practices of forced marriages or FGM or harmful cultural practices of witchcraft and juju or whatever it may be. There is no place for that. You are welcome here, but actually those thoughts and ideas that you have are going to have to stay back where they belong in the stone ages because they don't belong here in the 21st century so you know I think when you have those difficult conversations you're not going to be popular for everyone but you know I'm quite tough-skinned that I don't take it personal you're you're amazing that's what you are absolutely amazing and I mean because listening to that it's not just there's so much involved it's not just about getting somebody out. It's the, as you say, potential re-education or just general education. There's the empowering and there's the lining somebody up or, you know, educating and bringing the right tools to them to enable change of mindset and purpose and so on. And also, you know, I've heard you talk about empowering the next generation as well, who will hopefully help lead a lot of change and, you know, changing mindset. How do you go about doing that? Because you bring a lot of innovation into what you're doing as well. A lot of tech bits and bobs as well. How how do you go about that? Oh, do you know what? I thank you for doing the research in that. I mean, I, you know what? I mean, I mean, I know my limitations again, but actually, <laughs> that's it. my poor PA, and she'll tell you they have grey hair because of Excel spreadsheets. And <laughs> but you know what? I, I do hackathons. So what I realize is that, you know, I need to use an um, AI and tech for social good. And I've been using that for like 20, like 15 to 20 years now, where I've been one of the very few campaigners who's been using hackathons and AI and, you know, doing campaigns to look at using tech for good. Okay. And But with young people, for me, I, it's really important to mentor and empower them and give a seat at the table. Um, you know, and I'm known as a woman lifting the next generation off the sticky floor because I did a talk some years ago talking about, you know, not just smashing the glass ceiling, but we need to address the issues of social, economic barriers and cultural norms and other barriers stopping women and young people breaking that ceiling. And how do we do that? So it's about like giving people different skill sets, you know, giving people the confidence, mentoring them. And also it's about you know opening real doors and it's not just about being a mentor it's also about like being somebody who's really going to give somebody a real opportunity really doing that and I think you know through the pandemic especially the last couple of years now the class of 2019 2020 and you know they have been affected like never before you know they've been able to get the the graduate jobs or they haven't been able to get the a-levels they wanted or quite the GCSE grades that they wanted to or the opportunities have not been there and it was really important to me to make sure that children across the world especially in the UK were not left behind as well so I went to my peers and my friends in all industries and we would have like virtual kind of career fairs so we would talk to young people to say look if you want to go into banking or into law or into finance or tech or whatever 
we would give people the opportunity to meet real people, have a conversation, look at people mentoring and giving up their time to help. And then sort of say to companies, you have a corporate social responsibility. You've all started updating your equipment, but look, there's hundreds of children in digital poverty in the UK. Wipe up your hard drives and give away those computers, give away your old phone, give it to somebody that really needs it, could really do their homework and make a difference to someone's life. So, you know, for me, it was so important about that. And then again, one of the other things what I've done is tackle unconscious biases in tech. Because if you look at tech, it's a lot of middle-aged Caucasian men. There isn't a lot of people with disabilities. There's not many women in Silicon Valley or in the tech industry now. And there isn't many women of or individuals of different backgrounds. And it's really important that we have that representation because otherwise those biases will continue, continue yeah. have the real world. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. And it strikes me from, you know, your early days of how you started with the activism, literally just, I say literally, but making that point of standing up and speaking up for folk, working through actually how you're in the UN and all the other great things that you you, you work with, with the forced marriage unit and so on. And then now adapting, flexing, becoming very you know or evolving if you like not even becoming evolving into a very current state of affairs in terms of enabling folk within today's world you're moving with the times and you're really adapting to help as the world changes which is really fabulous how does one go about doing that because you and I are very much uh, purpose-driven folk and and have that at the forefront resiliency as well how how you know how could you speak to everybody listening to how you find resilience and purpose and how you continue to evolve and do things? What is it that's ultimately driving you? Okay, so for me, um, it's always been about standing up for other people, standing up for what's right morally. And even if I'm standing alone and I have nobody with me, as long as I know that I'm doing the right thing, then I know that that's you know, what drives me. And the one thing that I have learned over the years is you have to let go of fear because actually fear is only real inside your head and outside your head it doesn't exist that's something that I learned very early on in my 20s but I'm really glad and one of the other things that I have learned is that you know when you're sitting at home and you're not doing anything and nobody knows about you then nobody's going to attack you when you're out there standing up for things and you're tackling norms and your out-of-date practices or you're taking on paedophile rings or human trafficking issues or whatever the issue may be you know, people are going to attack you. People are going to come after you, tell you you've put a few pounds on. I was like, yeah, well, I do. I like donuts, so it don't matter. (laughs) So, you know, and you just learn to, like, not lose sleep over that. It's very difficult when people are really cruel. So, for instance, there was, in my 20s, I had um, ovarian cancer. I lost an ovary. And when I was in my 30s, I ended up having a hysterectomy. I wasn't able to have children. Sometimes, you know, probably in my sort of early 40s and the end of my 30s, when people used to make comments and call me barren and awful things like that, that I couldn't have children. But then I'd met somebody that said to me, Mandy, but like God takes something away from you because he had a bigger purpose for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up going around the world and saving so many children that, you know, it all makes sense now. If I had children, do you think I'd be running around the world every day doing different talks around the world? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do that. So life always works out, even though when you're in that most difficult time, that's where the opportunities are and you have to sort of adapt and find the resilience within you and I think I always say to God not why me just try me because I'll just get on with it (laughs) and that's beautiful do you like that I just have to tell myself and I think you know that's something that I always tell myself and 
And then, you know, as I, um, you know, when I was at school, we had a QWERTY keyboard, so I'm really showing my age now, guys. But, you know, <laughs> but you didn't have, like, technology. I didn't grow up like that. But I, when I lived away um, in North America and stuff, I could see, like, this was coming up. And and in the the end of the 90s and, um, and the 2000s, you know, um, internet was like a big part of our life and in the last 10 years social media and everything has just really involved to like you know children before they can talk they know how to use an iphone for god's sake you know so yeah. it's really changed now so and what i would say is then i had to look at this and i thought well hang on i'm doing campaigning how can i do this so i started doing twitter chats on twitter and i was able to engage with people around the world and when i got mm -hmm. onto things like linkedin and other things and I was able to really um, grow my social network and really grow my social capital and connect with people around the world and really find the same people that had the same vision, the same passion. And then as I went on, I wanted to get involved and look at how do I come up with ideas? How do I engage with people? And I was incredibly lucky that people kept picking me for ideas for hackathons and, and places like um, in the tech industry. They needed idea people because what they were saying is we've got hundreds of people thousands of people who can build and code and do the data who can build you the right. robot but we don't have somebody who has that real life experience or can talk about the real challenges so obviously working closely with the un and other organizations we have we're in the decade for action for the un sustainable development goals and you know whether it's gender equality tackling inequalities what have come to the surface like through the pandemic education and poverty all of those things whether it's climate change um you know the tech industry is a big player and it's going to be doing that and I just think I accidentally fell into it but I really enjoyed it but yeah. I also know that I can't do the coding I know that I'm not going to be able to build it but I'm coming up with the ideas and I've got better of course over the years um and it is I just think you and you, when you look at the impact, so, you know, just recently with Fila, um, the campaign, we did a 24-hour fast for um, Nazarin, who's still in prison in Iran. And, you know, women are fasting every single day. And women around the world have got involved with this campaign. You know, I've done a lot of campaigns over the years from the Day of the Guild, like I'm a feminist, or I've done other campaigns. Um, you know, one in 30 is a migrant, you know, whatever the campaign may be. And, you know, there is real power that you can engage with people around the world and really connect. And I think the last two years we've seen almost everybody use technology now, whether yes. it's Zoom, or Teams or other cooler platforms, you know. But it really is that I think the world has just moved forward. And I'm just so glad that I was ahead of the curve. It, uh, it's, it's, absolutely, it's so inspiring honestly it's so inspiring I, I listen to you and I, I actually get I get the ideas you know you say you need the ideas things are popping into my head about you know I need to think about this slightly differently or, or perhaps do this this way what strikes me in terms of the flow of what's happened in your life and, and how you um, you are talking about what you've gone through there's a realization that things you, you can look at things differently when you talked about your um, ovary being removed, but then actually the larger picture that came for you because you're able to do something else rather than potentially wallowing in something that we can actually, I think, what did you say? I wrote it down somewhere that you, um, 
You can't climb the ladder with your hands in your pocket. pocket, Absolutely brilliant. But it's so true. We've got to do a bit of work ourselves in order to to, to help ourselves. So there's something I really like that. I'm going to quote you and pop it out when this goes out. Really beautiful. Really, really lovely. So so there's something about adapting as well. And one thing else that you mentioned, uh, manifesting an abundance. So there's there's a beauty in how you operate that once, well, I don't want to steal how you describe that, but fill in your cup and then sharing if you would like to share that. No, I do that. So one of the things that I've always said to people, people always say to me, Mandy, why do you always help so many other people? And one of the things that I will say to you, and I always say to people, my my cup isn't half full, it's overflowing. And if you understand manifesting, and if you understand how the law of attraction or dharma or how life purpose works, then you will understand what I'm saying. But if you don't follow those values or don't, it's not your faith or your kind of belief system, then you're not going to quite understand. But you do understand the concept of yeah. um, that if once your glass is overflowing, you've got to tip it forward. So new experience will come to you. And as you're paying it forward to somebody else, other things are coming. And that's just how the world works. So, you know, for me, when I connect you, say, for instance, to somebody else, say, like to Linda or something like that, I'm not bothered about connecting people, but people may know one sort of person in the public eye, for instance, and they're so scared to like share their connection because they're worried. Yes, yeah. We're so worried about it. Yeah, I totally, I'm with you. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, so don't worry. But what I've realised is that... Um, let's put on poor Linda because we both know her. Uh, you know, and amazing <laughs> Sorry, Linda, Linda Riley. By the way, amazing Linda, Linda Riley. Let's just put that out there. Incredible activist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's an absolute legend. So what I'm going to say to you, my relationship with Linda is going to be different to what yours is going to be. And yeah. what happens is because people might see her owning a magazine and they're just going to be so obsessed and like not want to share her connection. And that's not how it works. So like to me, what I've also told people, I always say to young people, we don't own people. And so when I have young people who know me or they've got my phone number or they're connected to me, they will never give out my number to somebody else. And I say, why did you not do that? Oh, yeah, but you're my connection because you're helping me and I don't want you to help them. And I said, well, that's not how life works. You need to pay it forward. My relationship with you as your mentor will be something different with somebody if I go into partnership with somebody and you need to like let go of that hang up. And I think because I am such a no nonsense kind of a person that, you know, I you know, and I think when you are living your whole authentic life um, mm. of service and doing it for the right reasons, people buy into that. You know, I kind of will come in and I go to rooms and I can, I've been so blessed to be able to go to Davos, the World Economic Forum, to the UN, to, like you said, the, the, the European Parliament and mm. the World Bank and everywhere. I mean, I've been so blessed and so lucky. I mean, most people would only get one of those opportunities, like NASA, spoken at the World, um, the House of Representatives for three years in a row. And you know, those things I just cannot believe. But what I've realized is, and people always say to me, I don't understand why that came to you. I said, it's because maybe because I paid that opportunity forward to somebody else. So I'll give you a really good example there, Natalie, is um, say like sometimes I get invited um, and somebody will say to me, Mandy, can you come to New York? That we need you in, um, you know, we need somebody in Paris. Or And if I'm halfway through in a flight in America, I'm not going to be able to go to Paris. So what I'll do is look at somebody else who's got the same skill sets and say to somebody, look, here's a gig, you know, I can't make it. And I pay it forward. I give somebody yeah, else yeah. that opportunity. And people say to me, well, you shouldn't have done that. And I'm thinking, well, do you know what? You can't be everywhere. You can't be all things to everyone. So you've got to like manage your time. You've got to manage your priorities and you've got to do the right thing and live your life the right way. 
Yeah, and it will come back to you as you say anyway. It ten comes times over, and, ten times. Yeah, and ten that's times the th- yeah, and then your cup is proper. For, you know, you need a few more cups, really, because so, yes, it's all going to spill up and then hand them out. Just absolutely beautiful. I I love that whole philosophy. I love that whole idea. I love the enabling way and supporting way that that provides for others around you. And ultimately, as a society and as a community, how we can support each other. Because when we act and think in that way, everybody is elevated. Everybody can perform at a different level. And we all feel valued because we've you know we're paying attention to somebody's unique qualities and you know actually you're better for this or you maybe you'd be more suited to this or something well exactly listen if somebody needed to do a spreadsheet trust me you won't be picking me (laughs) you know and if you're going to be doing coding you're not going to be calling and it is about you know what knowing and accepting your limitations and it's about improving and developing your skills and doing things and you know and if you do that then you can you will not burn out you will not be stressed out you will be doing it for the right reasons yes I love beautiful 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 what's next for you Mandy what's on the horizon you've obviously still got a lot going on with Afghanistan and supporting there what else do you have on the horizon for you I mean I've um I've been god I've been inundated because obviously last year because I spent so much time doing the work um, with Afghans that I had to put a lot of speaking events on hold but okay. then I did reflection you know in, sept- in December of the year and I didn't realize how many bloody events I had done online to be honest I was like still doing tons and tons of talks and events and and you don't realize sometimes but obviously I've got to get back doing some traveling getting back and doing events because you know I have to honor what I've already committed people are reaching out to me now they keep saying Mandy look we need you to um get it onto a book or something I've written I've been involved with a chapter that's coming up with a book for leadership which was a nice surprise somebody just really liked my resilience um that how I've managed to kind of stay sane through um I'm not going to lie to you it has been incredibly stressful and I have had to dig deep within myself and you know find the energy sadly when I wasn't feeling well myself and trying to kind of manage my emotions myself and sort of thinking look I cannot give to somebody what I don't have and when when my cup I was tipping in you know going into my cup every day almost to to survive my own you know through my health and everything this year last year sorry I had to then kind of step back and delegate and say to people look I need help and I'm not scared to ask for help you know and I think you know and that's another thing isn't it because a lot of people you know, are always so um, kind of like putting on this sort of mask all the time. Yeah. And um, I know we have to wear masks now, guys, but, you know, but I'm on that <laughs> another mask. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? They put on so many false masks and things and they um, are trying to survive and trying to do that and they're not being authentic and they really struggle. And yeah. I think, you know, when you can say to somebody, look, I'm actually exhausted, I don't feel well, I need help, people will step up because they know that actually, you know what, you really must need the help because you never really ask for it normally. And I've been incredibly blessed with the most amazing friends and camp uh, friends and family and supporters. And everyone's really helped me through this whole crisis. And even through the last 33 years of campaigning and the work that I've done, you know, I feel so blessed that actually that God or whoever people believe in that has faith in to do his work. And, you know, I I just think it's great. And I just am really grateful. I mean, you know what? I just live my life as purpose. And and I think when you're on the right track, the most amazing opportunities will keep coming. And I never say no to things, you know, Mm. 
I live and I'll always pay it forward to somebody else. And, um, you know, I just accept anything that comes my way, whether it's a challenge, whether it's an opportunity and they take them, you know, side by side and just take them. So I just think, you know, I'm just going to take this year as it comes and, you know, get back to doing talks and events and carry on mentoring and empowering other people. I'm going to be very busy helping Afghan young women settle in around the world. So I guess that's going to be the big priority for me. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm so grateful for you. And I'm sure everyone listening will be grateful for you too, because it's absolutely incredible work you are doing. And I'm utterly inspired. So how can we help? How can I help anyone who's listening? How can they help? You know, you've been inspired by what you've got to say. And there's clearly so much work that can be done and needs to be done in the world. How can somebody help? I mean, look, if there are people who want to mentor and empower somebody because there are people who are very isolated right now people from Afghanistan who were stuck in a hotel in the UK sometimes you know what just meeting somebody and um, meeting them for a coffee or trying to show them you know what it's like to be in England to use a bus how to use a cash card you know or go in and you know even setting up a bank account or how do we get from A to B um, you know how to improve the skills that you have to update your CV there is so much that you can do and you know what nobody's ever died of being kind to anybody and you know paying it forward and you know if you did it without any agenda and you did it for the right reasons I can promise you it's so rewarding and like I said it's it's just I feel so blessed and so grateful and the other thing is you know there is fundraisers going on where people are you know, looking for food. And I would just say, please do your checks because there is a lot of fake um, organisations popping up everywhere as well. Um, You know, so just be careful before you start parting with money and stuff like that. And I've had to call out people publicly and, you know, say, no, you know, this is not right. And, you know, it's just about doing the right thing, really. And I just think, you know, if you have got skills or you've got old equipment that you could give away to a family that might need it more than you, um, you know, you've got an old phone and your friend's child may be struggling. Just open your eyes in your neighbourhood and I'm sure that there yeah, would be somebody that may want something. Yeah, it can just be on your on your own street, can't it, actually? Just yeah. small things, acts of kindness, going to knock on a neighbour and check they're OK or, or whatnot. Oh, just so beautiful, so inspiring, so absolutely wonderful. How can folk get in contact with you, Mandy, if, uh, if, they, um, if they want yeah, to? They want to yeah, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter and I will follow back with people due to the nature of my work and my life. Sadly, I don't put out... Um, you know contact details because it's just the work and the life that I do but if people reach out to me follow me on social media please connect and I will um, answer any other questions or if anyone's looking for other opportunities please feel free to reach out and connect and Natalie thank you again I'm beyond grateful to you for your time as well and having me on Oh, it's, honestly, it's, it's my pleasure, entirely my pleasure to, to have this conversation, to have it pop it out there is, is so invaluable. It's, it's really, it means the world to me. So I'm grateful to have, have you on. And thanks so much for joining me, Mandy. Honestly, this has been really amazing. You've lifted my Thank spirits you. on what's quite a, a difficult topic, actually, and quite challenging. And, and as you know, what you've been through, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of trauma that you need to deal with and looking after yourself but it's actually really inspired me and it's really uplifting to see the positive work and the results on it. So thank you so much, Mandy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much again as well. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Take care, everyone. Look after yourself. Keep well. You have been listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Miller-Snell. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to seizetheday.com 
www.simplecast.com for all of my other shows. If you're interested to hear more about coaching, please visit nmscoaching.co.uk. If you'd like to chew the fat over some of the topics in these podcasts, please come and join me at my Facebook group, Dare to Be You. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening.